You're listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com. Thanks for listening, and we trust that this teaching will grow you in following the way of Jesus. Um, it's so good to have people here. It's so good to see all of you that are here, and I know we're a little bit more spaced out this morning, but uh, just a, a real joy. Like there, there is something just fundamentally biblical but but you know what it means to be a follower of Jesus to gather together and uh, the timing must be perfect because I have a dad joke this morning to start off with and I think it's pretty good so we'll we'll give it a whirl uh, there was there was four men who are in a hospital waiting room because their wives are having babies a la video and uh, a nurse goes up to the first guy and says, congratulations, you're the father of twins. That's odd, the guy said. He said, I work for the Minnesota Twins. And then a nurse says to the second guy, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. That's weird, he says. I work for the 3M company. Nurse tells the third guy, you can see where this is going. It's good though, right? Congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. Right? Is that how you say it? Quadruplets? Quadruplets. He said, that's unbelievable. I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. The last guy, he's groaning. He's banging his head against the wall. What's wrong? The others ask. He's like, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> it's good, right? Come on, that was good. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Dads especially. Um, there's a joke around churches. Like, it's kind of, I've heard this more times than I can even count, of how you know, moms get the encouragement on Mother's Day, and they get heaped with praise, and dads come on Father's Day, and they just get the, like, boom, like, we're going to give you the tough message, like, shape up, be a dad, be a man, right? I don't know, like, I never really grew up in that, but I've heard that. And I've, and I've heard guys who like, have lived through that, actually. Um, we're not going to go that route this morning at all. Because that's not what dads need. And so we're going to go with grace this morning. And I need grace. Um, and this message is more personal to me uh, than I even probably realized when I set out and when I felt the Lord tell me to, to, to speak specifically about Father's Day. I wasn't actually planning to, and then I, I felt um, just, I guess, late last week, maybe it was even early this week, I can't even remember, um, but I felt the Lord say, I, wa I want you to speak. He kind of gave me a, an, an outline for Father's Day. And, and um, so I've been flushing it out this week and, and living, living through it, I guess. So there's, I want to I talk this morning. Um, the title is Dad's Jesus and the Father's Heart. I want to kind of look at all those aspects and, and there is some references to God in the old, as a father in the Old Testament. Um, not, not a ton, but there is that 
uh, sort of view of God that's given. Psalm 68, 5 talks about fa- he's the father of the fatherless. Isaiah 64, 8 speaks of God being our father. So there, there is some of that there. But it was Jesus who radically shifted our view of God for people. Where Jesus was the one who really over and over and over again, he presented his, his father as the father of all. And, and it's everywhere. Um, and he showed God as relating to us as a father. And, and God the father, when you just read the New Testament, God the father is everywhere. Like it's after Jesus brought that, all of the early church they just saw that as, as God is the Father. Um, and, they, and they started all the letters. Are just, it's, it's throughout. And, and this is significant for those of us who are fathers, but also for all of us because all of us have a father. So it is significant for every single one of us. We, we, because we hear God the Father and instinctively and even subconsciously we place onto God our experiences and our relationships with our earthly father. And we, and we do it without even realizing we're doing it. And for some of us, it will take years of exploration into ourselves until we realize that that is what's been happening inside of us. Um, I, I can't pinpoint when I really started to come into more of an understanding of that, but, but certainly it took years for me to, to get to that point, to really, and I'm still learning the implications of that. But how, how do we regard our experiences and our relationships with our dads? Because that's an important thing to think about. Do we think of our relationship with our dads as, as disconnected or... We saw him as unavailable. You know, people say, oh, my dad was just, he was distant. Uh, maybe you feel feelings of abandonment. Uh, he was unreliable. He wasn't there for me. I mean, the list just goes on, right? Or, or maybe we go, no, you know what? I felt loved. I felt cherished. I felt applauded. I felt encouraged. I felt affirmed. I felt supported. Like, my dad was just a great dad. And if that, like, that's amazing if that's what we, the experience that we have. But the mixture of those emotions with inside of us, whatever they are, how, however they, they work themselves out in our experiences, and, and how they've affected our lives, they have a direct impact on how we see God the Father and how we view him. I've, I've been recently, again, it's just, timing is so interesting sometimes. I, I just picked up a, a book and I, called The Relational Soul uh, that was recommended to me and uh, I'm only like 40 pages in and I'm like, wow, like this book is amazing. But it talks about how we move from our false self into our true self, understanding why we relate and react the way that we do in life. And, and, and it's, the book is seeking to move us into places of healing and transformation into this true self that God has designed for us. But how we re- learn to relate to our earthly fathers. And the, the book doesn't exactly say this, but it sort of talks around it. And so I can see how they're, what they're getting is how we learn to relate to our earthly fathers is how we also learn to relate to our heavenly father. 
It, it just, that's just the way it works. And that will not change actually without conscious work in our lives. It can change, but there has to be conscious work in that. And so coming to see and understand who God the Father is, like who He is, apart from what we think of, of our earthly fathers, and understanding what work needs to happen inside of us and in our lives is, it's so profound. Now having said all that, this message, whatever I'm going to say today, is not going to change you. None of this will change you. It can serve to highlight truth, yes, but the work that will invite transformation and make room for it in our lives is our responsibility. It, 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 it happens outside of this room, if you will. But we do need to understand, because it, it, it helps and it brings great encouragement, who God the Father is as a father. And so this morning, I want to I consider what the gospel reveals about God's heart towards Jesus, what we see of how God the Father related to Jesus, the Father's heart towards us, how, and how dads responded to Jesus and the hope that it offers to dads and to all of us, all of us for relationship. I also understand that Father's Day can be difficult for moms and dads. It can be difficult for children because of their uh, relational brokenness with parents and, and all the stuff that happens, the profound heartache that it brings in life. Uh, this can be a difficult day for people. I'm thankful that we serve a God of all comfort who's faithful and he's near to the brokenhearted. He is ne God is near to those who are brokenhearted. In John 14, uh, 6 to 11, Jesus starts off with this conversation with the disciples. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me but through the Father. Or sorry, no one comes to the Father but through me. And, and it, it spurs a conversation with Philip. And he says, Jesus, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Just show us the Father. And Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Like, I am in the Father, and he says, the Father is in me. And he says, if, if you don't believe that, then just believe on the account of the works themselves that you've seen. Like, see what I've done and understand that even in the works themselves, you are seeing the heart of the Father. And Jesus came to display and reveal the heart of his Father, clearly. He, he, claimed, he came to reveal the nature, the character, the works, the attributes of God the Father. And Jesus revealed just this beautiful picture to us of who the Father is. And it's interesting because Jesus, he gave so much focus to the condition of the heart. If you just go through the Gospels and just pick up on, on the, the threads of Jesus talking about the heart, conditions of the heart, where your heart is at, don't be worried about outside stuff, and outside appearances and external religious observance, what's going on in your heart. He was, it says several times he was grieved at the hardness of heart, the heart's of the religious leaders and of people. And why, why would he say that? Well, 
In Ephesians 4.18, it says that actually it's hardness of heart that alienates us from the life of God. So when we, when we allow hardness of heart inside of us, it actually separates us from the life of God that we are meant to enjoy and dwell and function in. And our hearts are aligned with what we treasure. And, and from our hearts, Jesus said, came our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our actions, our biases, etc., etc. It all flows out of the heart. And Jesus, you know, when I read this, I, what I come away with from Jesus is, You've got to deal with your heart. Like, really forget all the other external stuff. You need to deal with your heart. You've got to know what's happening inside of your heart. That's the first step. You've actually got to even know what's what's going on in it. What's driving your life? What's setting the direction of your life? Because it is. The heart's setting the direction of your life. And it's... the reason I, I believe that Jesus was so focused on that is because of God's desires. His father's desire was, I want to take the heart of stone out of you and I want to give you a heart of flesh. I want you to follow God. I want his spirit to be in you, giving you life. That's taking out the heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. It, it's, for Jesus, the heart was, was such a focus. And, and you go, well, maybe you still go like, well, why? Like, why? Well, what's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your, all your being, every part of you. It's, it's talking about wholeness, right? It's loving the Lord your God. The reason it starts, that's the greatest commandment is because it's about wholeness into, into just this, um, in, this integration with the Father, You know, and, and thinking about this, the societal issues and the crises that we're facing right now. And I, I will say this, I, I, am, I don't know how to, half, half the time, how to understand so much of what's going on. Like just wading through just the myriad of stuff that's happening right now and the opinions and... and, and um, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of just leaning on the Lord. But you look at the, the crises that we're having with identity, with racial inequality, with abortion, with sexual orientation, poverty, suicide, teen pregnancy, just on and on and on. There's just, there's massive, massive crises that are happening. There's a thread that connects all of them. All of them. It's the absence of fathers. That, that, and it's not getting talked about. We are increasingly seeing a fatherless generation. The statistics are alarming. Like alarming, alarming. And we are skirting around the issues, talking about stuff that isn't dealing with with the root issues. The, and the impact right now is tragic. Because what does fatherlessness create? At, at, at the root, fatherlessness creates hardness of heart. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. There's so much confusion. 
And God the Father desires to heal hearts. So what do we see of God the Father's heart toward Jesus? Matthew 3.17. Jesus' baptism is recorded there. And we know the story, probably some of us very well. The The sky opens up, the Holy Spirit descends, and a voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is the Son that I love. Matthew 17, 5, same thing happens on the mountain when Jesus is transfigured before Peter, James, and John. This amazing scene where they see just a a glimpse of Jesus' glory and again the Father speaks. Same words, except that he adds there, listen to him. Same words. This is my beloved Son. And we see here glimpses of the Father and his affirmation for Jesus. This is the Son whom I love. This is the Son whom I cherish. Jesus' identity, it's rooted and established in who the Father says he was, not what others would say or attempt to make him into. And, And there was a lot of that, tons of that coming at Jesus amidst all the voices that would come at Jesus, the Father is saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are my son. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I affirm you. His identity came from the Father, not from John the Baptist, not from the crowds, not from his family, not from the disciples, not from the religious leaders. All of those Different groups and people were trying to place their expectations on Jesus. This is who you should be. And Jesus was constantly, no, I know who I am. And the pressure on Jesus was enormous. The Father knew that. The Father knew that was going to happen. Jesus knew it was going to happen. The pressure on us in this culture is enormous. There's people all around who are trying to place their expectations on us. You must do this. You must say that. You must act like this. This is what it means to be, to um, say the right things about this issue or that issue. And the pressure on fathers right now who follow Jesus in these days is enormous. I believe that raising children right now in this current culture is more challenging right now than it's ever been, ever before in the Western world for, for a multitude of reasons, but I believe that we, it is such a challenge right now. And so for us, we need to claim this identity as our own too, what God the Father says about us. It's about going deep in our life and allowing that to transform you. So when stuff comes at us in life, it's, it's the same attitude as Jesus. It's the same response. Get behind me, Satan. I know who I am. I know. So this is, this is the heart of the Father, speaking truth and affirmation, blessing, approval over Jesus. You know, and, and on some level, like, kids, I'm so glad that we have so many kids here this morning of all, I know, of various ages. I am so, like, probably half of us actually this morning here are kids, which is great. And, you know, on one level, I, I just want to say to you kids, like, we, we need to receive the love of the Father like children. 
Like at a very basic level, we as adults, we all, we're all at the same place where we can receive the love of the Father, the affirmation of Jesus, and the Father, just like, just like children. So I'm, I'm, I long that you guys at your age would know, come to know the love of God the Father. But what, what about the Garden of Gethsemane? And what about the cross where Jesus cries out in the garden three times, my father, like, I don't, I don't want to go through with this. Take this away from me. But not my will, but your will. What do we, what do, we do with that? He's pleading for another way. He's wrestling with this horrible reality of the separation that's coming. And then on the cross, Jesus, before he gives up his spirit, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like he, Jesus was feeling the full weight of the separation, the physical, the emotional anguish. It was becoming almost unbearable on him. What do, you, what do you do with that and the claim of a loving father? He's got to wrestle with that. Well, I was thinking about that this week and I thought, you know what? Just read John 14 to 17. That's one place to start. Read John 17 specifically. Jesus' desire to redeem people and bring them into relationship with the Father was just like, was at the center of what he was doing. He so badly wanted to restore relationship between his creation and the Father. John 3.16, right? The most famous verse. But it's, this, we, this is the verse that we need to know because it's God's love for the world and it's also identifying and addressing the, the problem of sin and brokenness. The demonic power of sin had to be broken. It, it couldn't just be washed over or started just covering. That's not that big of a deal. We'll somehow make this another way. God's like, no, we, we need to, like, the sin is at its root demonic and it has to be dealt with. And only Jesus can bring us the freedom from sin that we need. We also can see where in Hebrews 12 it speaks about for the joy set before him. Jesus was looking at all those who had placed their trust in him, would receive redemption. And it was for that that he set his face upon the cross and said, for the joy set before me, I'm doing this. He said it in John 17. He says it, glorify your son that the Son may glorify you. He prays to the Father. So that's, that's the Father's heart towards Jesus. What's, what do we see of the Father's heart towards us specifically? Because Jesus' mission, his desire, was to bring the love, the relationship, and the union that he enjoys with the Father. He wanted to bring that to us. Like, like, I want to bring everything that I, that I experience and I have with the Father. He says, I, I desire that as you and I are one Father, that they would be one, that they would experience this, that, that there would be this restoration of relationship. And so, John 17, 23 and 20, verse 26, Jesus prays that the love that he has for the Father, the love that he experienced, would be in us. And, and it aligns with Paul's prayer, if you think of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He says, like, you don't even, you can't even understand the height, the depth, the breadth of it, the length. Like, it's just, it's so enormous, this love. 
this, this love that Christ has that surpasses knowledge. He says, and, and, and it, Paul prays there in Ephesians 3 that you would know that love, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That, that there would be this, this ushering in of the presence of God and his spirit in us, and it would be bringing fullness. That's the Father's heart for you. Every single one of us here, that is the Father's heart that we would know that. Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables in succession there in Luke 15. All highlight the, the heart of God to reach the lost. Involving all three persons of the Trinity, actually. When you read those parables, it's so intriguing. Where the first one involves the Son as the shepherd. The second one involves the, the Holy Spirit's work and the lost coin. And then the last one, the, the famous one that we probably is well known, maybe the most famous parable, involves the Father. But, but understood together, they speak of God's pursuit of the lost and his heart for relationship. Like, I'm, I'm going after people. Yeah. Includes with that, the longest parable is the last one, the, the prodigal son. Prodigal means recklessly extravagant having spent everything, which is such a, a, an interesting um, term used because it speaks to the actions of the son in the parable, yes, but it also as much speaks to the response of the father in the parable. And it's an astounding story, right? The son asks for his inheritance early and he says, I, I, want, I want my inheritance, I want you to give it to me. And that in that culture, that meant the selling of land. It wasn't just go down and write out a check and, and take it out of mutual funds. It was physically selling of land that was tied into the identity of the family. This land was like part of what it meant to be in that family. So the son's saying, I want you to sell that and I want you to give me that now. And in Middle Eastern culture, that sort of ask would have meant, the, the people would have been expecting to hear that the father would have turned and, and kicked the son out, probably even physically just beating him, saying, get out, you have no place in my family anymore. And, and, and you know, because the son, what he's saying is, I, I want what you can give me, dad, but I don't actually want you. I just want what you can give me. The relationship is broken. And so the father, like, it's just so surprising, shockingly, he gives the son what he desires and he lets him leave. And then we know the son wastes everything. He's foolish, self-centered, living, winds up with nothing, and he ends up working with pigs. He's, he's you know, the point of the story is he's got nothing. He is at the bottom of where he can go. And he finally realizes he's had enough. He says, I, I'm gonna like go back to my father and maybe I can even become like a hired hand and somehow you know, work for him and make enough to pay back what I've taken. And so he comes crawling back to his father. And, and it says that while a still long way off, the father saw him 
Like, the father was on the lookout. It's clear from the parable that the father was watching, waiting for his son to return. And when he sees him again, so against the culture, he would have raised up his, his, the dress that men wore in those days and ran to meet him, which that didn't happen. But he was, like, it speaks of the urgency of the father. And he embraces him and he kisses him and he welcomes him back. And... The son knows that he's unworthy. The son knows he's full of shame, dishonor. He's brought reproach upon his family. I think many fathers can identify with this. Men who feel for a multitude of reasons like they don't measure up. I think that, I think so many men struggle with that battle in their lives. They don't measure up for whatever reason that they just can't do enough. So you have, we have to prove ourselves through our jobs. We've got to prove ourselves through our, our promotions. We've got to prove ourselves through what we do, what we attain. And I think it's because men who actually long to experience the love of the Father. And so this Father in the parable, he in turn shows unconditional love, extravagant love, grace, and mercy. He says, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. What's the catalyst for that type of statement? Like his son wasn't actually dead, but that's how, that was, that's how the father looked at it. My son was, he, he was like, he was as good as dead and now he's, he's back, he's alive. It's the restoration of relationship. It's, it's all about relationship. And this is the heart of the Father for us. Jesus told that parable as that is the heart of the Father for all of us. We need to experience the love of the Father like this. And I believe that God longs for every single one of us to have an experience like that, that we would experience the Father like that, that we would encounter the depth of his love like that, and we need it. We all need it. Those, there are those moments in my life where I've experienced just a, an amazing overflow of the Father's love, those moments in my life have saved me. And yet I'm in need of more. I, I can't give you a formula for that, though. Like, there isn't, this is not a formula, like, where you do this, you do this, and, and you'll... I don't believe there is one. I think that it is simply that experiencing the love of the Father like that is marked by loss, it's marked by brokenness, it's marked by desperation, it's marked by longing. The Father meets us when we humble ourselves and when we, when we are desperate. He's near to the brokenhearted. The love of the Father, is, it's marked by mercy it's marked by compassion. It's marked by love. Yes, it's even marked by discipline. Hebrews 12 says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Actually, his discipline shows us that we are his children. It's actually a good thing because it shows like you are actually a child of God. You are a rightful child and, and a child needs discipline. But it's good news because God is your father. 
It's for our good, it says in Hebrews 12. It's actually to bring us growth and holiness. And so Colossians 3.21 and Ephesians 6.4, there's uh, almost the same command is given in both those verses. It's one of the few commands actually directed specifically to fathers in the New Testament. And it says there, do not provoke your children to anger. Why that command of all the commands? And I wonder it's because we, we actually maybe perhaps have a tendency to blame our behavior on our kids, on their behavior. But what might we be doing to provoke them? Because I think it brings up this thing of what, what inside me needs healing. What inside of me as a father needs transformation? How is it impacting my kids and how I parent? What needs to change and what am I doing about it? One, one of the things that I took away from uh, the Paul Tripp parenting course that we we watched that um, was just, I, there were so many things in there that were so, such a blessing. But he talks in there early on about how we are to be agents of mercy. And I guess it probably spoke to me because I realized how far short of that I fall so many times. And I, and I, and I long to be that and I was so thankful too because Paul Tripp was just, he was so honest and real. Like he didn't try to present an image where he had it all together. He was, he told accounts where he really also failed. But he says, you know, we, we are called as fathers to be agents of mercy because sin is active in our kids and it's serious. And us experiencing the heart of the father will draw us into relationship with Jesus. And we need that because we need to be agents of mercy. The only way I'm gonna be an agent of mercy is if I understand the heart of the Father. If I don't, I, I will not be that. And experiencing the heart of the Father draws us into relationship with Jesus because Jesus longed to show us the Father. Jesus shows us the Father. So how, I wanna talk about how do just to end, how do we see dads respond to Jesus? There's, there's two moving accounts in the Gospels of dads coming and encountering Jesus. And I, you know, I, I, like, to, I like to think of these stories. They're, they're coming to him specifically on behalf of their children. They, they are encountering Jesus specifically in their, their calling their role as dads. They're coming to him as a father. And yeah, you know, the accounts have various meanings and there's, there's different applications with some of this, the two stories of these two dads. But I, I like to, to think, I was thinking about this this week, I like to think about these stories in the perspective of these were dads. Like these were guys 
who had children, yes, different culture, different time period, but the heart for their children, you see it in the story, that, that runs through generations the same. Their heart for their children, and they were desperate for Jesus' healing in their children. And I, I think that thinking about it like that brings it into a place of reality for us. So I want to read just a few short verses here of these two dads, Luke 8, verses 40 to 42. This is the account of Jairus. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. You just look at that through the lens of a dad. You know, I've got a 12-year-old. I've got girls here who I love dearly who are almost 12. And it's his only daughter, and she's dying. And he comes to Jesus as a dad. I, I want my daughter saved. I, I get that. I, I, it's just like I get that dad's heart. I want to read Mark 9, verses 20 to 27. And they brought the boy to him. Okay, so uh, I'll... The, the context here, some of us maybe know this story, but Jesus is actually coming, uh, he's just come off uh, the mountain where he was transfigured with Peter, James, and John, seeing his glory. They come down, the rest of the disciples, there's this, this guy there, this man, this boy, who's got this uh, evil spirit. He's, he's, this demon is, is, is really wrecking havoc in his life, and the, the disciples can't seem to do anything about it. So it says, they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I, I, I recognize there's, there's different implications to this story and what's happening here and what we can draw out of it. But again, just looking at it from the perspective of a dad who's got a son that he doesn't know what he's going to do with, 
who is in a terrible state. He is spiritually being tormented. And he, he comes to Jesus because he's desperate as a dad. You know, we can, we can talk about, and, and, and certainly we should talk about the compassion of Jesus in these accounts. It's, it's profound. But there's also the compassion of the fathers for their children. They sought Jesus out. And it reveals the heart of Jesus for our children. But also, it, it's, there's an invitation here for us to seek Jesus for them that this is Jesus' heart for our children and as dads, let's seek out Jesus for their healing, for their physical needs, for their spiritual needs, for their emotional needs, for all of that. We can go to Jesus. You know, that we, we see this desperation and this expectation in these dads. They didn't know what else to do. And I, and I think that there's a level of that that we can, we can really identify with right now in this world where we don't always know what to do. But Jesus, we need your help. And they fell at Jesus' feet. They cried out. The, the, the guy that cries out when Jesus says, you know, if you can, only believe. And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's this, again, just being honest, vulnerable, He's placing himself at the mercy of Jesus. I think that these accounts, those specific instances of dads meeting Jesus can be incredibly encouraging for us as dads. It's an invitation to seek Jesus for everything and anything on behalf of our children. Anything, everything, go to the Lord. In Jesus' response, it reveals there again that the heart of the Father is for us. That he's for us. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. The NIV, I, I love their translation there. They say, the love, of the, the love that has been lavished upon us. Just the overflow of love of the Father. That we should be called children of God and John says and so we are and so we are we are children of God there, there is a, there's massive shifts right now taking place in our culture massive shifts there, there is movements for change that I don't know that any of us know where it's all going to end up but there, we can feel there's a bit of this this tectonic shift happening in the Western world right now. And like I said before, sort of alluded to it, much of it is not getting to any of the root issues of the heart, of the human heart. We need to know the Father. We need to have our hearts changed. And it begins on a personal level. It begins on a very personal level. I, I don't know and with many situations, how to respond, what to say, how to navigate certain things. But I know that on a personal level, I need to deal with my heart. 
And if, I, and if I keep it on a personal level, what I need to deal with and what's going on inside of me, there's a bunch of noise right now on the outside that really is just distractions and isn't helping me at all. And, it, and what it can do, and this is the danger constantly for us, is it allows us to bypass what's going on inside of us. And we get all consumed with what's going on outside there and it allows us to go, I don't really want to touch this. That's super dangerous. Ah, yeah, it is. But not just that. You know what? More than anything, we miss what the Father wants to give us. That, we miss what the Father wants to give us. And I don't want to miss that. I've got three questions that I just I want to leave with us to end. Where do you need to hear the heart of the Father for you? Personally, where do you need to hear the heart of the Father? What does he want to say to you? Where do you need the Father to speak over you the hope that you are called to? We're called to have hope. Where do we need to hear that? This third question is, where do you need the Father's love to change you and patterns of living? Where do you maybe need to cry out and ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to change me in this. I, I really need you to change me. I think all of us have those things inside of us, those personal things we know that we're like, I really need God to move in this in me. I really need this to change. I want this to change. I don't actually know how to do it in my own strength and my own abilities. I can't see my way through it. God, I need you to move in me. And the Father loves to respond to heart cries like that. Why don't we pray? Father, you are so loving. God, I thank you in my life for how you have broken through and you have shown me your love and worked in things in me and continue to work in things in me where I need to know more of your love. And Lord, I'm praying for every single person here that we would have a greater revelation and understanding experience of the love of the Father. I want to pray for dads. I want to bless dads in the calling that we have and the responsibility that we have to lead our families, to guide our families. And God, I know that you love us and you, you long for us to know your love. And so I want, to just, I want to just pray for the love of the Father over us and in us and through us, Lord. I want to bless dads. It's a, it, it, is, it is the greatest responsibility, but it's also the greatest joy in life to be a dad. And Father, we thank you that that's because that's in your heart. God, we, we want to ask that we would experience you this week in a new, fresh, profound way, and that you would continue to work in those things in us that 
we wrestle with, we, we battle, we struggle with, we, things that we, where we need to meet you. We just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue to do the work inside of us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. We hope that this material served to help you grow in following the way of Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com.